Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. In this episode of Lifetimes, I speak to Nicola Adams, the double Olympic champion boxer. She has an extraordinary life, a remarkable journey, and we've really tried to deconstruct what makes her the person that she is, why she has such fighting spirit, and what she thinks society needs to do to change to accept more women in sport. boxer from Leeds is now almost within touching distance of the pinnacle of sporting achievement. Every athlete wants to go to the Olympics, you know, whether or not you get a medal or not, I mean, that is, you know, that is the, the top. Ladies and gentlemen, the winner by a score of 16 points to 7, and Olympic champion in the blue Nicola, thanks for coming in. It's great to see you. What are you preparing for at the moment? Where are you in your life, in your career? How would you sort of describe what your upcoming ambitions are at the moment? Yeah, well, by the end of the year, I want to be a world champion um, in professional boxing. I'd like to have maybe done a little bit more um, with the acting side. I like acting, but I haven't been able to do that much of it. Um, so I'd like to like to do more. Wow. Acting. So tell me about that. You, so you've, this is a sideline at the moment. Yeah, yeah. So I, I, well, I originally started with extra work on Coronation Street and, and Emmerdale. And after the 2012 Olympics, um, I kind of lost the job because <laughs> I couldn't blend into the background anymore. Um, it was quite a, <laughs> they're like, well, uh, <laughs> you're kind of um, a, a little bit recognisable yeah. now. After, so after you're, you're the in goal. the background in, in Corrie and, and what was the other one? Emmerdale. Wow. And that's quite difficult. My wife is a massive Coronation Street fan, huge. And we went to a dinner and there was an auction where yeah. the first prize was going to Corrie, uh, being on the set and being an extra in the background. Oh, and her dad. dad's a big fan as well. But they went and did it. And I, I don't want to shaft my wife here at all. But it's actually more difficult than it looks because she she's at the... There's a cafe, isn't there? Cor yeah, I, forgive yeah. me, I don't know the plot that well. And she's in the background... And a couple of people are talking and they're supposed to be having a conversation. But she's like massively overacting. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? She's like going, yeah. Her, <laughs> dad, said, her dad is opposite her. And so I said something, she's like nodding her head as if she's about to explode. I was like, come on, that doesn't look natural. But it's, it's quite tough. The art of acting is difficult. Yeah, it is. It is. And uh, trying not to eyeball the camera. <laughs> Have you had any tricks? Because tell you another guy's into it. Beckham got into it. Oh, David, Be yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, no he really, really. I, I ghosted his autobiography, and he really got into acting. And I think he was in a Guy Ritchie film um, sometime after that. But he did a lot of lessons, and I think Fred Flintoff has got into acting. He did a lot of acting lessons, but they've all said that it's a great way to lose self consciousness, but also it's a craft that you need to to develop the skill for. Is that fair? Yeah, definitely. Um, you have to. You have to want it. You've got to really 
believe that you are that character that you're that you're playing so that the people watching um on tv at home you know believe that you are that that person like that they can they can you know feel the energy of of whatever character that is that that you're pl- that you're playing i think what am i what have i just recently watched killing eve oh um, yeah yeah i saw that yeah yeah which I'm, character did you rate the highest the serial killer yeah yeah unbelievable it's unreal unreal did you see her in Dr. Foster. Did you see her I in that? I haven't seen... No, no, I haven't totally seen that. Totally different in that. So it yeah. shows the versatility to be a serial killer on the one hand and then yeah, quite definitely. a middle-of-the-road, upper-middle-class. I think she was a daughter of a builder or something in, in Dr. Foster. So how do you get into character? Um, I think it's just... For me, it's just picturing myself being that character what it what it would be like to feel like being that that person that you're that you're pretending to be you know even to the point of even looking up videos of like certain characters that might act that way or people that act that way um looking at news news reports and you know just really being able to get a feeling for for that character i think it's i think i think that's how well how i like get into a, a character and who, who? What's the toughest role you've ever had? Um, as funny as it might seem, playing myself. <laughs> yeah, well, that must be quite difficult. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, how do I act? <laughs> have you had to do that in a drama? Yeah, yeah. I played myself in Waterloo Road, um, wow. so it was it was it was quite fun. Yeah. Wow. The thing that strikes me every time I go into a film set, and believe me, I haven't done it very often, is the number of people. Yeah. They're yeah. holding microphones above your head. And you've got to try and be natural. It's difficult. Really. Yeah, it is. It is. But it look, is. Let, let's shift it on to, to boxing because you want to be world champion again, uh, world champion later this year. Talk us through how you got into boxing because I'm guessing when you were a young girl, this was there weren't many role models who were boxers yeah. for young girl. I mean that, that, that. I mean, tell me about how 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 did that happen. Yeah, so my my dad was a really big fan of of boxing. So the reruns, uh, like I'd seen reruns of Muhammad Ali, Sugar Ray Leonard, Mike Tyson, you know, uh, Frank Bruno. Um, but I, I never at the time when I was watching it, I loved boxing, but I never at the time watching it thought I was, you know, I was going to be a boxer one day. Like that is what I want to do. And it wasn't until by accident, my mum used to do aerobics and she couldn't get a babysitter one night for me and my brother. And they had a, an after-school boxing class on at the same time. And she took us both to that and I absolutely wow. absolutely loved it. So just purely by, by chance. And I was like, I got to the gym and I was like, oh, wow. And I remember thinking to myself, I, I, bet, I bet this is what it must have been like when Muhammad Ali was in the gym and he was, yeah. he was training and I was shadow boxing in the, in the mirror. And it was like a real kind of Rocky style gym, you know, really in, the, in a basement. Where, like, whereabouts? Um, Leeds. Uh-huh. It was uh, it was in the in the basement uh-huh. under a, an old pub, and um, it had the you know the the small square windows, the really tiny ones at the top that only open about halfway, <laughs> <laughs> and there's just like there's just sweat on all the all the walls and everything. Uh, it yeah. was yeah gritty like, yeah yeah. So, so was that sort of Leeds town centre? Uh, no, was no, that out in the suburbs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Near where you went, so, so you went to school. In and around that area, is yeah, that, yeah, yeah, and that's where the yeah. after-school club was. Yeah, yeah. Wow, who did you like the most out of Ali, Leonard, Tyson, Bruno? Who was your favourite? Has to be Muhammad Ali, but I, I, I still love uh, Sugar Ray Leonard as well. I mean, his footwork, his movement. It was un- unbelievable, unbelievable. I mean, when when um, I used to watch the reruns of the Fabulous Four, Marvin Hagler, Sugar Ray Leonard. Tommy Hearns and um, Bert Duran, yeah, I mean, that era of boxing. It was incredible. Unreal, Do you know, unreal. It's funny you should say that. I want to talk more about your background. and But I think that the 80s in the lighter divisions have never been matched at yeah. any time in boxing history. I mean, you talk about those four. Duran started as a lightweight. And I then he beat, he beat Leonard at welterweight. Mm-hmm. Leonard, of course, beat beat Hearns at welterweight in an unbelievable fight no I think he stopped him in the 14th round it's one yeah, of my favorite yeah. one of my favorite favorite bouts and you know you talked about Leonard 
the geometry, the speed, the comprehension. I think he really was a stunning, stunning sportsman, athlete. And also the fitness. He always came on strong at the end. He still yeah, had energy, yeah. the flurry of punches. That, I mean, he really was strategic because he obviously knew that he needed to marshal that energy for the later rounds. I think he, he's one of the great sports people of my lifetime. Yeah, definitely. I mean, um, when you talk about the the Hearns match, and what about it was it was unreal. I mean, it was behind on all the cards. Yep. All Tommy Hearns had to do was literally stay on his feet, and he'd have won. Yep. So to be able to come back from that was pff, unreal, unreal. Even when I watch it back now, I'm just like, damn. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's extraordinary. And that, I mean, he actually put him down. I think there was a standing eight in the thirteenth. Yeah, and then what? Remember, and then then they both go back to their corners. Funnily enough, at the beginning of the thirteenth, I think Angelo Dundee, who trained Leonard and Muhammad Ali, yeah. said to Leonard, "You're blowing it now, son. You're yeah, blowing it." Yeah, and he gets up, and I funnily enough, I interviewed Dundee about it, and he said, "You know, sometimes you've got to tell a boxer, yeah, because they don't actually know whether they're ahead or behind during a fight. They need to have guidance about where they are on the score." So anyway, um, that's interesting because these role models—they're all—they're all blokes, they're all guys. But you went into that gym and thought, you know what? I'm a girl, but I want to do this. Yeah, yeah. Did it ever strike you as something that people might say, hang on a second, why is a girl boxing? And did people say that to you? Was there sexism in the gym even back then? Yeah, like even, I mean, even even back then as a kid, I was I was quite lucky really that I, I, um, I landed on my feet. The coach in my gym, he just said to me, look, I have one rule. Everybody listens to me, and you're all boxers in my gym, and, and, and that was it. That was all that was that was said, and it was like, cool, you know. I didn't realise... Were you the only girl? Yeah, yeah. I didn't realise at the time the magnitude of what he was saying because I was I was only twelve years old and you know, you you don't think about, oh well actually this might be quite a, a sexist environment, you know, you not you don't even really know anything about that. Uh, had I have started um when I was older then I'd I'd have probably been a lot more aware. But um as I did get older I'd hear some of the some of the comments, you know, oh, women women should be in the kitchen why don't you play tennis? You know, wow. boxing's not a not a place for 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 women. You know, and who is that coming to? Boxers, trainers, friends, family. Yeah, that's that's um, that's like trainers, other boxers. Um, it was it was it was uh, it was tough to to be involved in. I mean, it's tough. I mean, I was a sportsman before becoming a journalist. I was a table tennis player. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they, were just, they were just telling me. Yeah. So, so I know it's tough to get to the top. It takes a lot of determination yeah, and yeah. a lot of sacrifice. But if at the same time... You've got to deal got with the, battling everybody right. else. Yeah. That's, that, that I would have thought for somebody who started off before you were even a teenager... Talk to me through the psychology of how you dealt with that, how you doubled down, how you steeled yourself against that kind of social pressure to quit. I think for me it was the fact that I had a family and my mum that supported me to the to the fullest and my coach as well. And I think because, for one, I had them supporting me, my coach that fought the world of me and wanted mm -hmm. to train me, mm -hmm. wanted to put that time into me. Was he the guy was, who was in the gym the day you arrived as a yeah, trailer? Yeah. So he's been with you, yeah, interesting. Yeah, so it was like, well, I'd hear all the other stuff everybody else was saying, and I was like, well, my coach isn't isn't like that. Right. And he's, you know, he's putting in- What's his in, name? Um, Steve Franks. Uh -huh. And he was putting in all the time to make me a, a better fighter, a better boxer, and never said, never once said any of those things to me. So I was like, well, I just, I guess I just, I was like, yeah, you know, I don't care. My coach is, you know, he's training me and we're doing a really good job and, you know, he, he hasn't ever ever treated me any different. But I, th I think if maybe I didn't have that support, if my coach wasn't like that, then maybe the things that everybody else was saying would have yeah. been louder yeah, and, yeah, and yeah. would have affected me more. That's interesting. Your mum, you said, also was a massive support. Tell me about your mum. You know, who was she? What was what kind of a role model was she? And tell me what it was like to grow up in suburban Leeds. What was it like for a young 
black girl growing up in Leeds in the 1990s. No, yes, yeah. is that about right? Uh, yeah. yeah. And also decides to go into boxing. So, so talk about <laughs> yeah. your, your mum and talk about what it was like for you coming of age in that milieu in the UK. Yeah, my um, my mum was a really big inspiration for me. Growing up, she was a single parent looking after me and my brother and I, I always remember seeing how hard she worked, having mm. two jobs to support wow. me and what my were the, what were they? me and my brother. Um she was um she worked in retail and she was a hairdresser as well. So But seeing, in retail, my mum stacked shelves at Asda. Yeah. What did yeah. she do? Oh she was a, a manager in the jewellery. Oh well, okay, so yeah, she's slightly yeah. higher than my mum. Although my mum, yeah, my mum moved on from the stacking of shelves. Okay, well, so she's a grafter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So and and just just seeing how how hard my mum worked, and she always said, you know, if you mm. if you work hard and yeah. stay de- dedicated, you you really can achieve achieve anything. And I just you know I, I think just just seeing what she could do, and I was like, well, if, you know, if my mum can do that, I can yeah. I can get in the the ring and and I can I can box and. Yeah, it was just she was just an amazing an an amazing woman for for me, uh, the perfect person for 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 me to to look up to because um, I think as well back then there wasn't that many single parents as there as there is now. Yeah. Um, yeah. So to be able to to do that all on her own, yep. you know, against all of the odds. Mm. Um, she, you know, people saying, you know, she won't be able to do it. She won't be able to do all this by herself. I mean, yeah. she's got two kids to to look after. How is how will you how will you ever survive? And you know, I I remember saying, you know, it's 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 going to be all right. We just we just have to, you know, work together. And that's what we we did. We worked Fantastic. together as a as a family. Um, there'd be sometimes if I needed a new pair of boxing gloves or boots, you know, my my brother might not get the 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 latest pair of uh, Nike Max that's you yeah. know just come out and mm. and vice versa if he needed something for for his hobby as well and I, I guess we just we just kind of worked together really and what about the racial context in Leeds in in the nineties were you conscious of your colour did you feel that it was a community that was completely colour blind what what was that like um it was it was to an extent but i think the racism that was around it was mainly kids not knowing or understanding mm. why you're a different color yeah because um i remember there was there was one time when i i was in i was in primary school and um it was uh, this little boy was calling me the n word and i was like well why why are you calling me that and he mm. was like well i i don't know you're just a different colour, and, yeah. and and that's what I've seen other people do, and then and it and then it's like and it makes you you know and I was like oh okay, so and and then it's not until I think they get to know you and understand that well actually we're just all the, all the same we're mm. just a different colour that things start to start to change yeah yeah that was where, that was where I was like it made me it made me stop and think as a as a youngster because I I never quite understood that because I was like well and then um, for for a long while it was like well they say i'm black but i'm brown so why do they call me black you know <laughs> it's like when you when you when you're a little kid you know you, you little kids ask questions yeah, like like yeah. why well like why well i'm i'm not black i'm brown <laughs> and um were you the only black person in your class at school or were there quite a lot um Oh, high school there was there was quite quite a lot. Yeah. Okay, so yeah. it's much more mixed. Yeah, yeah. In in racial and demographic terms, but in boxing, from the ages of what twelve to how old, you're the only yeah. girl in the gym, and he's yeah. still training in that gym with the, the the small windows. How many years are you there? Oh man, I was there up until like twenty. You were there eight years. Yeah, yeah. Training for eight years in that gym with the yeah. same guy the whole time, Steve. Yeah, Steve. Wow. Yeah. Wow, wow, wow. What were you doing? So, I tried boxing training hey. while I was in my <laughs> late teens. There was a gym in Reading in the town centre, and my coach said, "Look, the fittest athletes out there are boxers. If you can go and last it, that's what you need to do." And I went there. We worked the heavy bag. The um, uh, speedball. The speedball. We we ran to the car park and went up the eight flights of stairs and back down again. We did all sorts of shuttle runs. We, but then we did shadow boxing, and then after that we did. You know, like when you put the 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 head 
gear oh, yeah, the on. the headguards, yeah. And then you actually hit each other. Yeah. Tell you what surprised me. How much it hurt. Yeah, yeah. When you get hit. Because when you <laughs> yeah. watch it, it's kind of sanitised. You watch it and you're like, bang, and they, go, they yeah. sort of carry on. They roll with the punch. This guy punched me. I was like, oh, my goodness, oh. that really hurt. <laughs> yeah. And I walked out. I said, no, this, this isn't for me. Yeah. So tell me, how old were you when you, when you first got hit? Yeah, I was, um, I was, I was 12. Um, you stuck her in the ring, Steve. What are you doing, mate? You stuck <laughs> yeah. her in the ring against who? Because it was against a, yeah, a young against the, boy. Yeah, against the wow. against the other boys. Um, I think boxing is one of those one of those sports where um, you, you've got to you've got to be made of some different stuff to be able to <laughs> step yeah. in the ring and and box. You you've got to have respect for you know other 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 boxers, other opponents. Because so what did you say a, when this guy tough... clocked you? <laughs> It's in back. <laughs> but uh, I think the the best thing that my coach um, taught me was that it's about hitting and not getting hit because yeah. I didn't like getting hit and I still don't like getting hit now because it hurts. Yeah. <laughs> so I I um I practice a lot on not getting hit mm. and how to not take the the full power of a of a of a punch when you when you do get caught. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. There's a great opening. I don't if you've not read the novel. It's it's not a novel. It's it's a book by Norman Mailer. It's called The Fight, and it's about Ali's bout with George Foreman. And it starts off in a gym, and Ali is sparring. I think actually with Larry Holmes, who became heavyweight champion, um, and who Ali lost to near the end of his career. And Mailer was saying that Ali was getting hit, but he was practicing absorbing the force of the punch yeah and i thought to myself is that really possible go on talk to how do you do how, how do you learn to cope with somebody punching you on the chin yeah i think it's a uh, it's all about staying trying to stay relaxed so the only way you can stay relaxed is by is by getting hit not necessarily just having your hands down hit me uh -huh. <laughs> hit me in the face but i think being able to see when the punches are coming. Uh -huh. So when you first start off boxing, 
I think for for and this will be for for everybody. Your automatic reaction is when you when a punch is coming to either close your eyes and really tense up, mm-hmm. which obviously once the impact happens, it's you know you you're gonna feel every you know every every bit of power in the punch. Whereas if you're if you're relaxed and you don't close your eyes, you see where the punch is coming from. You've got you you do have time to okay. Mm-hmm. You can move out of the way. Yeah, yeah. Um, you can you can just lean back slightly so it's not you're not taking the mm. full force but mm-hmm. that's it it all just takes practice mm. you have to be able to be in the ring and be like right okay i've got to get used to to these punches coming towards me and being able to read you you start to be able to pick up tells you can mm. tell when a person they might i don't know for example pull the right hand back before the they're gonna throw so there's you you start to yeah you start to pick up mm. um little things little movements yeah and it becomes it becomes easier yeah. and then that's yeah. when it turns into more of a game of chess yeah where, that's interesting that's that's really interesting i think both leonard and arlie talked about boxing as a form of chess yeah um and you can see it in the way that they adapted to their opponents i, mean, I don't know if you ever saw leonard against hagler yeah, yeah. That's a really interesting fight because towards the end, I went to points, as you know, but Leonard was leaning and the punches of Hagler were missing by like an inch, an inch and a half. It's yeah, almost like yeah. it, it looked telepathic, yeah. but it was actually he was reading the pattern of movement of his opponent. So he yeah. was able to have his head in such a place as to elude the punches. And it was a beautiful thing to watch. I mean, it was an extraordinary thing to bowl. Can I just ask you about psychology early on? You're getting hit from the age of 12 by by young boys, some of whom don't want you to be there, who think that there is no role for a girl in a gym of that kind, and you're with boys only for how many years of that eight years that you're in that gym? Oh, man. Yeah, years. The only time I used to really see other girls was when um, we started going to England training camps. So you are in national competitions. You're the only girl they for ages. Wasn't. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So talk to me about this. So I'm very interested in in psychology, but I'm also interested in youth psychology. I've written a book for children. I'm, I'm starting to write another one. I'm a great believer, and you know, lo- lots of young people like to conform. Instead of being who they are, they want to behave in such a way as to fit in with people around them, even if it's not what their heart's really telling them to do and I think that's quite an easy thing for children to yeah. want to do they want to fit in sounds to me yeah. that you, you dared <laughs> to be yeah, completely dared different, to be different. <laughs> right so let, let's 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 talk about that why how advice for young people advice for parents I've got two kids six and five what do you, just, just talk me through that how you were able to carve out your own niche and to build your own identity when so many other people are criticising you? It's a good good question. Um, I think for me it was just, I just had a, a real passion and love for, for boxing. And I remember thinking to myself that I, I want to be an Olympic champion. And mm. it must have sounded completely... <laughs> Bizarre. How to, old were you when you said that the first time? I was I was thirteen years old, <laughs> and at this at this point, women's boxing isn't an Olympic sport. Yeah. There's there isn't a national championship. We don't hang on, go hang away. On. Sorry, and sorry, box. sorry. So there, there, there wasn't even a. Just, no. just say that last bit again. Um, there wasn't a national championships. There didn't was, even exist. It didn't even exist. There was nothing. And there's me, thirteen years old. I'm going to go to the Olympics and uh, did it I'm going to win a gold medal. No. So, wow. I so, so the, you, you're trying to win something. <laughs> there's not even... <laughs> there's kind of like in some parallel universe. I mean, you yeah. must have been some kid, but I mean, seriously. <laughs> yeah. I mean, when I when I think back now, I, I, I think like, God, they must have thought I was crazy. Well, <laughs> like, well. They're like, yeah, it's okay, okay, yeah. You, you'll find out when you grow older that, uh, <laughs> that that dream's not going to come true. <laughs> Incredible. So when you were, so you're 13 years old, That what year is that? What year were you born? 94, maybe. So you're born, what, 81? Yeah, 82. Okay, so 95. When did boxing for women join the Olympic movement? Uh, 2010. So... So, incredible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So you're, I mean, on the one hand, you're boxing, you love it, you enjoy what you're doing. 
you're standing up against these criticisms because your passion is so intense. That's a wonderful thing, by the way. But you're also you get, keep an eye on when are they going to put Olympics? Yeah. When are they going to put boxing in the Olympics? <laughs> exactly. Did, I mean, exactly. who was campaigning for that on your behalf? Were there, were there people out there saying we need? Boxing I think we for... we all were. We were, yeah. we were all doing doing our part. We were um, me and a group of group of other uh, female boxers. We were campaigning to get onto the England team because there was no British team for for the women. It was always, oh well, we'll just you know we'll stick them in a corner and you know yeah. they can you know do their do their mm. own thing. And so it was it was it was quite tough. We were always campaigning. The, the whole way whole way through wow. even um, the the first few tournaments we went to we were expected to go away and and win medals to keep the little funding that we had alive mm. to go away to to these tournaments alive and it was like we were expected to do so much with so little yeah. um, to the point where we'd go away we'd we'd be sharing the same vests and shorts mm, wow. uh, luckily i was a lighter weight so i was always on first <laughs> so, <laughs> so you could have a fresh shirt yeah, yeah yeah and yeah it was it was bad we had we had no physios um we had we had nothing we were um we used to use the the island team physios if we didn't have uh, enough coaches we used to ask um, the coaches from other other countries to wow. to wow. help us wow. in the in the corner and yeah. to warm up and everything. It was it was hard. It was hard. So so you're either ignored, patronised, or criticised. That's yeah. what you're enduring all the way through. By the way, I often when I'm feeling got at by the world, I always rewind to particular moments in my life where things have been really tough, but I got through. What was the toughest single moment? in that period between say 12 and 20 you get punched maybe and you think can I take the pain anymore or somebody says we haven't got the funds to take you to a talk what was the, the what was the nastiest thing you ever had anyone say to you or the toughest moment that made you you know that really made you question the whole project was there a real low point I think it was I think it was just the fact that you'd go to you'd go to the camps and no one like the coaches didn't really care. They they only cared about the the male boxers, yeah. and you were just kind of you were just kind of there. And they only did what they had to do. They never, you know, went above above and beyond. Yeah, and it was grudging. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's the that was the hardest part. It was like it was almost like the thought. Well, if we do as, as little as possible, then maybe they'll just disappear. Mm. But uh, we never did. <laughs> so so this, is an, this is a genuinely inspirational story and it's a fascinating human story. So let me be honest. So I've been to watch boxing live and the first time I watched it live, ringside at Bethnal Green, it was tougher to yeah, watch than different. I imagined. Yeah. You know, on, on TV, you didn't see the blood the spray of sweat on the ring apron. You weren't as viscerally connected to the pain that these people endured. And I remember a boxer going down, knocked out, and he was carried from the ring in a stretcher. And I thought, gosh, this is really tough. Now, that was with guys boxing. I then went to watch a woman's bout at Bethnal Green. And my sister, four years younger, brilliant rugby player, you know, she had been knocked unconscious playing varsity rugby for her university. So I thought, you know, I'll be okay with it. And I went and watched and I think I found it even more difficult. So that may tell you that I had some lingering prejudice about the fact that should women be doing this? And I remember writing a column saying, I didn't know what to do with my own feelings. What do you make of that? I think for me, it's always been a thing of, I don't mind if people don't like women's boxing. I just don't agree with when they stop people that want to do it, right. um, doing the sport. Because you know you're not gonna make everybody like every every sport. Everybody's not gonna. But I don't. I just don't believe in. Just because you don't like it, it shouldn't mean that we still can't do the sport that we enjoy and we're passionate about doing. Let me drill down into this. So the times. There's a lot of young listeners. There's a lot of older listeners. You know, we've got we've got a very broad audience. Yeah, yeah. And I'm thinking there are going to be guys. I'm in my late 40s, in their 50s and 60s, who say, no, I, lo I love boxing, but I just have this strange feeling inside that I, I, I just, it doesn't, it, it feels like I want to jump in the ring and protect this person because they've grown up in a world 
where the guy has to be gallant and chivalrous by protecting his wife. That kind of idea, yeah, you know, yeah. they've grown up with that. How? What would you say about that conception? Do you think it's outdated? Do you think it's sweet? Do you think we need to move on? What, what would you say to an older person who has thoughts of that kind? Yeah, I mean, I do think I do think it's nice, but we we do need to to move on. I think women in general, we've had to we've had to fight for everything the, mm-hmm. to vote uh, to sprint. I, 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 there's a film out at the moment that I went to go see um, about a woman that wanted to be a lawyer in a time where there yep. was no female lawyers, yep. and she had to fight to get. Um, some of the laws changed and just seeing a, a struggle that she went through yeah. it, it almost it was almost like a mirror image of <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> what I'm doing now yeah. in boxing mm. and then I'm like damn well that was that was years ago like should we really still be fighting yeah. for to be to be equal now like shouldn't this be this should be you know this should be way way in the past like this yeah. should have you know it shouldn't these, even these exist now but I, okay so I'm gonna I, but you know the funny thing is I think it's now quite subtle that say for example a woman is working in what is supposed to be a progressive company and when a woman negotiates hard for an increase in pay people say oh that's a bit unfeminine but if a guy does it they say oh yeah that's that's fantastic and and, you know there are great studies showing that women are treated in a systematically different way to men even by people who think of themselves as progressive and for me anyway I think these subtle barriers, not the really visible hard barriers that we all can call out when we see them, yeah, yeah, um, are quite difficult. And I think that's, I don't know if you agree, I think that's where the future of racial, gender and all other types of equality is going to be fought. Yeah, definitely, definitely. I think uh, it's changing, mm. but it's, it's a very, very slow slow process um can i talk about the change as well it's another thing i'm really interested in because i saw that you were voted the most influential person in the bisexual community in the uk so you're you're carrying a lot of torches <laughs> yeah. here you're you're, fight, yeah. you're you're in the so you see i'm guessing your identities as a boxer not a campaigner is that yeah. correct or how would you how would you divide your identity between social campaigning and boxing is it is it just boxing or do you see that there's a role for you in the other one too i think at first it was just it just it, it was just boxing like i was like yeah i'm a boxer i love boxing that's that's what i do and then it wasn't until after i won my um gold medal um in london mm. that when people started coming coming up to me and saying like, "Oh my God, I, I can't believe what you've done for women and and the LGBT community," that I actually um, started to think, "Oh well, actually, maybe I'm I'm more than what I what I thought I, I yeah. originally was." And I guess I I know I, I know I stand for for a lot more, but I'm I'm just still being me. Yeah. Um, I'm just being who I am basically. I never. I just want I want to be able to. I'd, I'd love to be able to get everything to an even playing field, yeah. but I, I'd never really thought about what I was actually achieving. I'm not sure if I'm explaining. No, I that. get that. Comp- I totally get that. You want to be who you are, but at the same time, you want to break down barriers for other people. Yeah, so that yeah, there's definitely. A fair society. In terms of that, you said attitudes are changing. Tell me where we're at with attitudes towards sexuality. I'll tell you why. One of the reasons I asked. So I told you I was into boxing. So I went to university to Oxford. So it's supposed to be quite an enlightened place. And probably compared to the rest of the society, it was quite enlightened. I had a black girlfriend at the time, Jamaican. There was a bit of racism against her. They were quite surprised that when she would come up to college and we spent time together. Yeah. Um, but the other thing is I had posters of Muhammad Ali, Rocky Marciano and Jack Dempsey on my wall. <laughs> yeah. And for the other students... This is in 1991, so what? It's like less than, was that, 20-something years ago. It was way too homoerotic. You know, I'm heterosexual, <laughs> but they were like, why have you got what? these guys? They, they, they would use kind of homophobic jokes at my expense. Yeah. And that was what the world was like back then. Yeah. Now, it seems to me we've moved on a lot. I'd like to get your perception of how much, where we still need to go. I think we've we've moved on moved on a lot, but I think there is still a, still a lot to be done. 
like the the thing that I don't get is like how people have to just they have to come out. I mean, if you're you know you're whether you're heterosexual or whatever you know like you know yes I'm I'm heterosexual like yeah you know let's let's everybody needs to know like I I I just I don't know I don't. I, I don't see why people have to have to have to do that, have to explain themselves in the, in that way. Um, I think that's that's one thing that I I never did. I never um, did the whole coming out thing because I I just didn't. I, I don't think it should be irrelevant. It should. It it's you know it's not. I don't think it's a it's it's not a, it's not. A, I don't know how to explain. I it's okay, not. So, a, so a, I get that. I get that. What? Why? Why would somebody have to publicly declare? some aspect of their identity yeah yeah exactly so I, so I get that but would you agree that the reason for it is because society still has an issue so for example there's never been out an out footballer yeah yeah never yeah in the history of english football as far as i'm aware john amici you may know john basketball player fantastic player he didn't he's a very courageous strong black man he never came out because there were, he felt as a stigma yeah, attached yeah. to it so we still got a long way to go so you're saying people shouldn't have to come out but as soon as somebody for example a footballer was to turn up at a football writer's dinner with a boyfriend there, that, that would, would be, be a story main, that yeah, would be that yeah. would be front page news so so as a society what do you think we should be doing differently in order to remove this what still exists this sort of social stigma i think it just shouldn't be made as big of a, an issue as it as it is, yeah. Um, I've I myself have purposefully tried to make it not a, a big issue because it isn't for anybody else. So I feel like, well, why should it be for me? Yeah, yeah. No, that makes that as makes well perfect. as still being proud of who I am. Yeah. I just I think if it's if it's not for everybody else, then why why am I why do I need to make a a big issue issue about it when you know I've got so many other things that yeah. <laughs> I could be t- I could be talking about yeah. and well, they okay. could well, be writing about I get that, I get that. and that is, it, it's, it's interesting that you put it in those terms and you know in a funny kind of a way I think that it would show that we've moved on when a footballer does turn up yeah with his boyfriend and it isn't a story yeah yeah it's not remarked upon at all so 2010 women's boxing is included in the Olympics is that right yeah for 2012 so you're training like a demon, and it gets to two years before the Olympics in a four-year cycle, and you still didn't know. Yeah. What? Where were you when you found well, out it had been included in the program? When I when I first found out, I was absolutely you know over the moon. I was I was watching the TV, uh, but at the time I I had a really serious back injury. I'd um, fallen down the stairs. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and damaged the vertebrae in my in my back. So I was super happy and over the moon. And then I was like, wait a minute, I'm in bed and I can't move, and I have I, I I've got to stay in bed for the next three months to to let my my back heal, and. At that time, the trials were on for Team GB um, for boxers to come out and see um, how good they are. And then there's just me on the sidelines <laughs> getting getting physio, knowing that I've I've already achieved so many so many great things in the sport already, and I couldn't I couldn't show what I, you know what I could actually yeah. actually do. So it was a it was quite a, a frustrating and a, yeah really 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 tough time. And then, um, you, but then you got in the shape. Yeah, yeah. And then tell me, t- tell me about the training in like, is it like Rocky? Do you remember the Rocky film where he gets the the raw eggs and he mixes it with some milk and then he tries to ch- catch a chick and he's running up the steps <laughs> in Philadelphia? Tell me about the. T- I know it's much more scientific <laughs> yeah. now than that. Yeah, yeah it's, a, it's a, it's a, yeah, it's a little bit, a little bit different, um, <laughs> a bit different now. But um, yeah, there's a there's a lot of lot of training involved. We were training three times a day, which is a a, a run on. The morning uh-huh. um, how far uh, the longest run we did was three miles mm-hmm. uh, which were we were expected to do in under 20 minutes yeah and then the rest were interval runs and yep. and sprints um so what would that, you do 15 on 15 off how, well, yeah, how yeah, it de- yeah it depended on um when we were when we were boxing to mm-hmm. the different different times and um how long the sprints were mm-hmm. whether we were doing 800 meter laps and 
And Call that difficult. I yeah, horrible. Oh, Middle distance running yeah. is horrible. I remember we used to do six, eight hundreds with a three-minute jog recovery. I hated that. Horrible, horrible. Because it's that it's that annoying distance where you're not sprinting, yeah. but you're not jogging. Yeah, it's... and if you do jog, everyone's like storming past you. Basically, yeah, you're in pain yeah. for. So I, I used <laughs> yeah. to do those in like three, just over three and a bit minutes. They were horrible. Yeah. Gosh. Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't and then you would hit the ring in the afternoon. Yeah. Oh, so after after the run, we'd have strength training. Uh huh. Um, so yeah, yeah. Um, squats, bench press, pull ups, all that. And then in the in the evening, we have the boxing session. Yeah. So it was like that um, Monday to Friday every week. We used to live and train in Sheffield. Mm. So it, it's it's uh, it's what are the English Institute for Sport? Yeah, that's yeah. quite. The table tennis was there, I think, yeah, at some point. Yeah. So you, did you get to know any of those guys? Liam yeah, Pitchford, yeah. Paul Drinkle. I didn't. I didn't know Paul. He's good. Pitchford's doing well now. He's got mm. into like top twenty something of the world, which is which is pretty impressive. Yeah, it's quite a nice little community there. Yeah, isn't it? it is. It is um, at the time when I was when I was training, uh, Jess Grenis was there. Yeah. We had the the netball team was there, um, basketball as well. So it it was quite good. It was interesting as well seeing how um, other sports train and how different their SNC sessions, uh, strength training sessions might be to compared to yours. Well, that's one uh, of the things I think is good about bringing different sports together is often you get scientists who work in a single sport, but you should listen to what other sports are doing. You might learn from strength and conditioning coaches in other places. You know, why not look at how they're using data, how they're building perceptual skill? I think that's quite a good yeah, way yeah. to cross-pollinate in sort of sporting infrastructure like that. The building was good as well. It's like state-of-the-art. From I mean, I only went up there a couple of times, but it's 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 really impressive, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it is. It's, it's unreal, unreal. Um, we have everything there. We've There's a there's a ring with an altitude tent over the top of it. No, really? Yeah, so we can train at altitude. Did you get... Were you only good at that? I hate Oh, the first can't, the can't first, suck it in, can yeah, you? Yeah, yeah. The first, uh, the first couple of weeks when you're just getting used to it is the the toughest. Oh, yeah, brutal. The toughest. Yeah. And then once after that, you you kind of you kind of get the get the flow. But the first few rounds, you're just like, geez. <laughs> so, so let's fast forward to 2012 itself. Yeah. You're about to go in for the final. Talk me through one hour build up. What are you doing? How do you get into the zone? How do you deal with your nerves? Who are you talking to? I used to have a very specific routine. Tell me you know, where you are, what you're doing, what you're thinking. So uh, an hour before, I was in the dressing room, getting ready, yep. putting my boots on, mm. having a laugh and joke with the coaches. Really? You yeah. could keep loose? I'm, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't, I'm not one for you know sitting headphones on, have to be by myself I'm yeah. quite I like to keep it fun light airy because I've just seen I'd seen so many times in the past where if I don't know they've got a, a lucky chain that they wear and the chain goes missing and yeah. all of a sudden this unbelievably good <laughs> boxer just crumbles right before your eyes and I'm just like like what yeah. like yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> how yeah. Um, yeah so I'm not I'm not very uh, superstitious mm-hmm. I, I like to I like to keep everything where it's to the point of I can expect the unexpected and if it yeah. does happen it doesn't matter yeah. because I don't have any rules of I should do this I should do this this has to be done then and that yeah. so that so you, because if you have a crutch like a superstition yeah, as soon yeah. as it doesn't work out suddenly you're panicking so you keep it quite you're quite loose yeah, when you get yeah. into the ring but I'm guessing when you go into the ring are you trying to be are you trying to like the rugby players, some of the rugby players, they try and get into a state of hyper aggression so that they can cope with the pain. Or are you trying to keep yourself calm? What, what, when you're actually stepping over the apron, what are you, what, what are you trying to do? What's the frame of mind you need? I, I have to, one, I have to be enjoying myself. That's mm-hmm. why when people see me on the reruns, I'm smiling, yeah. going to the going to the ring because I'm, I'm enjoying myself. Um, that probably my, strikes out the opponent. Too. Yeah, yeah. They're like, why, why is she so happy? <laughs> <laughs> like my, my coach always used to say to me, to, to box well, you have to, you have to enjoy what you, what you do. And yeah, it is serious. You want to win, but you have to enjoy yourself because if you're enjoying yourself, you'll, you'll box 10 times better than what you would if you was all like tense and, oh my God, yeah. I've got to win this. You know, and you've got to, you've got to enjoy the moment. So I really... I really took that took that in, and going into the the bout for the finals, I was I was ready. I, I was enjoying. I was living. I was living my best life. Like yeah, yeah. home home games, the crowd, everybody was everybody there, just 
was there to watch me watch me win. They wanted me to win. Yeah. And I think knowing that going into the ring, I was like, right, all I have to do is, you know, put my punches together, yeah. um, stick to the tactics and I can win this fight. And you won it beautifully and you smiled. Where was your mum? She was in the crowd. Was she? Yeah, she was watching. She was watching. And I, I couldn't believe how many how many people were in the crowd. Um, I think at one point there was there was uh, Prince William and uh, and Kate in the crowd and <laughs> the Prime Minister was in the crowd. Really? And I was like, what? It was like <laughs> boxing was the, the place where everybody wanted to be. So yeah, I was like... It's brilliant. It Absolutely was, fantastic. And when you think of that journey that you're on as well, so what next? You know, coming towards the end of the interview now, you know, you, so you've got the world championship professional ambition. Say you win the world title. How old are you now? Um, 35. 35, OK. Yeah. So you're going to have to retire at some point. Yeah, yeah. What, what will be life after boxing for you? What do you what, what's your kind of, like, dream existence when you oh, hang up with gloves? I'd love to get more into my acting. Yeah, Hollywood. Um, yeah. If, if, I, if I could... If I could pick out a movie, I'd, I'd have to be a, a Marvel superhero. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'd love to. I'd love to play a, a superhero. I've always been a fan of uh, the the Marvel movies and the and the cartoons and They're stuff. Great, so aren't they? yeah, yeah, I'd, I'd, uh, I'd, that'd be the dream. <laughs> so one, one question we ask everybody on this podcast. It's a bit of a depressing question, but the Times have an obituary section every day, where they talk about the lives of people who have died. And they explain what they did and why they were significant in our nation's history. Sorry to bring this down. What would you like it to say? Ooh. <laughs> That's difficult, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Um, I'd definitely like to go down in history as one of the best, if not the greatest boxer that, that Britain's had. I'd, I'd like to also hear that I've inspired the, the next generation that have come up and also gone on to the Olympics and, and mm. to win win gold medals. That and, I've and, been and able an Oscar. To, yeah, yeah, definitely. Actor Oscar. Yeah, yeah. For a Marvel movie. <laughs> yeah, just just basically that I've been able to open open doors, break yeah. down barriers yeah. that no one you know, no one's done before and it's helped to um, help the next generation to get to where where they need to be. Wonderful. Thank you. This episode of Lifetimes has been presented by me, Matthew Side, and produced by Lucy Lavery. To listen to household names speak as you've never heard them before, please subscribe to the podcast. Search for Lifetimes on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favourite podcast app. And if you like it, please rate and review the series. Lifetimes is a Times newspapers production. To find more of our great journalism, go online at thetimes.co.uk. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.